Americans were, by and large, willing to put up with a lot of fucking bloodshed. Oh God, they were demanding it. Just in the blood, bloodletting in the streets. Yeah. And you know, I was I was 21. I was young, and um, I was one of the few like anti-war people. I read a lot of Noam Chomsky, and uh, Chomsky said a lot of things in the lead up to that. One of the things he said was that it would be a humanitarian disaster. Check. Yeah. He said that uh, it would uh, be a huge waste of money and resources. Check. He said it would kill a bunch of Americans and a ton of Afghans. Check. Uh, and he also said that it was going to bring more terrorism. So like up and down the line, you know, every single one of those things has happened. But again, there's no reckoning with that whatsoever. There's no sense that like, oh, maybe we need to rethink all of our precepts about the war on terror or what the valid use of American power is going to be. Or even like the fact that uh, uh, America's ability at this point in time to like even um, like... Uh, prop its uh, prop up its own allies like yeah. the UK. The Brits are fucking pissed right yeah. now. We left them in the fucking lurch. Let alone the Ukrainians. And apparently, uh, so I just found out. Uh, just re- just came out that um, it was just leaked, I guess, from the White House or the Pentagon that the Brits uh, are why that the uh, uh, the suicide bombing allowed was allowed to happen at the airport. Which that just looks like they we're actually just going to a war in the press with our own ally, which, yeah, you don't really want that ideally when you're, you know, uh, trying to put together a, uh, you're trying to hold together a a international, uh, you know, imperial project. It's, it's, uh, I mean, people know this, we've talked about it before, talked about it for ages, but American power is not built solely on brute force. There's different legs to this stool. One of them is the ability to do untold violence across the globe, do things like, you know, murder Afghan civilians over and over and over again for 20 years. Like, let's not you know, downplay how important that is. But importantly, too, is things like the financial infrastructure that allows the United States, through having the global reserve currency, to use sanctions and its financial power in order to punish people. But also, of course, too, the American empire is a hegemony. It's not brute force. We're not, we might have bases everywhere, but we're not like occupying Germany and forcing them to do what we want. What we're doing is we create a uh, consensual sort of, um, not not we, I should say, the ruling class of the United States yeah. has created a consensual relationship with the ruling classes of many European powers. Right. We call that NATO. And what's that, what that is based on is the, what's it called, the rules-based uh, international yes. order, which means <laughs> like, uh, it means a lot of things. We could talk about that more, but it means like a, a certain set of like codified ways that the world's going to work and who's going to get punished when and who's going to get rewarded when. But it's also traditionally has been based on like long term strategic planning by the United States. Yeah. And this is something that we're so fitful uh, and, and feckless in our foreign policy now, jumping back and forth between the Iran deal and the Paris Accord. And then Trump gets in office and we go back. So there's like the the basic underpinning of trust between ruling classes, I feel like, is taking a huge hit. And the Brits are pissed off because they've been facing this for like years now. All the Europeans have. Yeah. I mean, it is the 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 speed of the uh, collapse is really striking. Uh, And, you know, people compare it to the uh, fall of Saigon. But, you know, it took three years. Uh, for the uh, were, and, and it, from U.S. withdrawal, seventy-two. The election yeah. was about how to withdraw from Vietnam. Yeah, right. And the next few years, we're figuring out how to do that with honor, yeah. peace with honor. Yeah, right? and I mean, Nixon was seeking a decent interval, and he he got one. He actually got a bit of an interval, and it was not a, a cakewalk even by the NBA. There was actual, you know, pitch battling. There was. It took him a while. Uh, 
in this case, it was a, it was instantaneous because that 20 years spent did not build any institutions at all. Uh, none of none of the time and money and effort there was uh, cumulative. It was it was just pissed down a drain of military procurement, mm-hmm. uh, and that reality is stunningly absent from all of the commentary about right, it. Right, 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 right. Like the the uh, the idea that the this instantaneous collapse does not prove the validity of getting out. And in fact, condemn us for staying as long as we had is kind of amazing because if this could happen like this, it means that nothing was being accomplished and that therefore more time would uh, continue to accomplish nothing. Right, exactly. What their their bet was, and if you look at it, it kind of worked because there's this huge uh, disconnect, you know, famously – Marx talked about the disconnect between the city and the countryside. In the cities, in Kabul, in Jalalabad, in all the major urban areas, you had the beginnings of what we call, I guess, civil society brewing, which is like an urban, educated, sort of petty bourgeois slash professional group that like is invested in putting a democratic patina on accumulation yeah. and exploitation and all that. There are people in the cities now, there are kids who, who like never knew the Taliban. Yeah. 20 years old, they graduated from an Afghan university. You know, they learned English and shit like that. But the bet of American planners was that over a long enough time frame, and 20 years is a long fucking time, and we know it's a lot of fucking resources, that you could create not just like an indigenous civil society made up with like Western leaning sort of like urban professional petty bourgeois people invested in this system, but also that you could find, and this is very important, find an indigenous ruling class that could rule in the way that the United States wanted it to rule. Yeah. Right. Which is to obviously there'll be elections, you know, there'll be a bit of corruption like we have here, but not too much corruption. You'll uh, basically, most importantly for the United States, create like a good climate for investment. Yeah. Right? yeah. But as it turns out, uh, finding that kind of ruling class in Afghanistan was really, really difficult. And so for all the money that went to military contractors, and most of it did, yeah. uh, not to mention mercenaries, not to mention like contractors who did services out there, trillions of dollars, just incredible yeah. amounts of money. We also invested big in an, an indigenous, let's call it what it is, capitalist ruling class in Afghanistan that was not up to the task. They were yeah. up to the task of like fleeing with $126 million in an airplane yeah. when shit goes bad, but they weren't up to the, you know, uh, creating a favorable environment yeah. for democracy or investment or whatever. Yeah, because there was the fundamental conflict that the contradiction that to create that class, that money that we were putting into Afghanistan would have had to have been directed towards that thing that we always say we're allergic to, even as we're carrying out nation building. Mm-hmm. But that would have been, uh, that would have reduced the margins. Uh, and so there was that fundamental contradiction between the imperative of the war machine and, and whatever strategic uh, bullshit that they were telling themselves they were doing, which means that the quickest, easiest, most efficient way to prop up rule <clears throat> throughout Afghanistan was to find the biggest perverts, psychopaths, <laughs> yeah. uh, and just... And, uh, and b- MBAs building, from Harvard. Yeah, yeah. And, and building rule around them, uh, people with no legitimacy outside of their uh, sort of clan alliances and their, their patriotism networks, uh, and then just ruling through them that meant that you know a lot of money uh, went to them, a lot of money went to Northern Virginia, but very little money uh, actually built a sort of infrastructure uh, that would have uh, allowed for uh, the creation of like a 
a consensual state. Right. You would you would think that all that those trots turned neocons would understand class society. <laughs> They'd understand that that you need to create this like investment for accumulation. You, you know, they tried to do some of that. They brought electricity, but like the Soviets had it right. I mean, I'm not absolving them of everything, but land reform. Yeah. You have a the population of Afghanistan is still 90% like herders and yeah. like small uh, petty commodity producers, right? And if you have a society like that, it's very difficult. Uh, to graft like yeah. American style democracy onto that just yeah. because of like the inherent contradictions of classes there. Yeah.